Good morning. How's everybody today? Did you sleep well? Love that awesome hot breakfast. Uh. <laughs> oh, guys, the good news is so good, and I hope that you were able to embrace it last night. But sometimes when we get good news, it comes with some challenges that aren't as fun. And so I just want to say this morning, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow morning. Because tomorrow morning's talk, uh, it's as though if there's a brick wall outside, um, I'm going to challenge all you guys to run through it and we're going we're gonna to go after it. But this morning and tonight, I'm just going to tell you straight up, uh, it's not going to be fun. But it's going to be real. It's going to be a little bit heavy, especially first thing Saturday morning at a retreat, ready for some good time. So we need to pray. Will you guys join me in praying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hey, what verses did you just quote? Matthew 6, yep, 9 through 15. Except, you know that part, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever? Amen. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> but we say it anyway, don't we? Did you listen to yourself? You know some verses. I, I'm glad I didn't forget those. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom, come. Your will, be done. Take care of our needs today. Did you get this? And forgive us our debts. You guys want God's forgiveness? <laughs> I do. But did you get this verse? As we forgive those who sin against us. God, forgive us our debts. And here's the way I want you to do it. Just like I forgive people who sin against me. Did you want to pray that conditional prayer this morning? <laughs> and let me ask you the question. What was the point of Jesus teaching his disciples to pray like that? It didn't say, Lord, teach us to pray. In fact, the one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them, they did say this in Luke chapter 11. Lord, teach us to pray because they saw the power of his relationship with the Father through prayer. He would pray all night. He would get up early and pray. He would fast and pray. Prayer was the rhythm of his life, and it was the thing that the disciples saw in him. And they said, we want to be spiritual, and we want to be spiritual like that. But when he was giving them this modeled prayer, pray in this way, I think the point of it was actually verse 12. And here's the reason. Have you ever known a pastor to say something and then he repeats something afterwards? Like, because that was the big idea? 
Are you familiar with verse 14? Jesus added emphasis to his prayer and here's what he said. For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. Verse 15, but if you don't forgive people, your father will not forgive you your wrongdoing. You remember last night we talked about the unpardonable sin? You remember that? It was just last night. Was it not forgiving people when they sin against us? Was that it? Did I mess up? Because this verse right here says, if you don't forgive people when they sin against you, then God won't forgive you when you sin against him. That would put a lot of us in trouble, wouldn't it not? There are two ways, guys, that we can be like God. We talked a little bit last night about the first way, to love unconditionally. To love with no strings attached. Just to love agape. And I don't know anybody who does that well. I tend to love people who love me, and I tend to love them poorly because the person that I truly love is me. And the Bible teaches us to love others as we love ourselves. And it's not saying, hey, just be lovers of yourself so much. It's actually saying, hey, love people more. We take care of ourselves really good. Begin to love others in that way. And God is the one who poured out himself on us. God is the one who laid down his life so that he could serve us and love us. And he has commanded us to love like he loved us. It says, by this we know if you're my disciples, if you love one another, if you agape one another, guys, that's a high bar. Know anybody that's like that? No, you don't. Even the most loving person you know is not that loving. Another way that we can be like God is if we forgive fully. Forgive people who hurt us fully. And these are God qualities that God is calling us to be like him. You see, he is saying, love others the way that I love you. And he's also saying, forgive others the way that I forgive you. Because when you do that, you actually display you're mine. You're just like me. Jesus said, why do you love people who only love you? Love people who are unlovely. Because when you do that, you display that you're mine. Because that's me in you, not you in you. And in the same way, he's saying when you forgive people that hurt you, rather than hurt them back, that's what people do. You're displaying that that's me and you. You're displaying that you have a supernatural ability that is not common to man. Because if you hurt me, I am justified to hurt you back. Right? I always told my son, don't ever start a fight, but you had darn well better finish it. Was that good parenting? No. I'm not saying I was the best parent. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever hurt you and you've been unable to forgive them? Is there someone who when they come to your mind you just get angry or crushed? What if that person were to come to the retreat? Would it change your disposition or your countenance or your mannerisms? I want you to think about this morning the person that has hurt you the worst. And I want you to hear Jesus calling you to forgive them. Forgive me my sins, God. God. 
I forgive you feel that way. Peter didn't like this idea that Jesus was teaching him. Peter, I loved him because he was always resisting the Lord. Have you noticed this? He would do something great and then do something awful. You know, he was telling Jesus what to do. I love that about him. You know why? Because I do that all the time as well, don't you? Most of my prayers, I'm basically telling God what to do. Okay, instead of actually submitting to God because he's God and saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? No, I think the purpose of God is so that he uses all his powers to make my life great. Guys, that makes me God. No, the purpose of God is so that I recognize that he is God and I use everything that he's given me to exalt his greatness. So my prayer to God should always be, yes, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And most of the time, if I posture myself that way to God, he wants me to do something I don't want to do. Have you noticed this about him? Peter was like that. So he was questioning Jesus because he was talking about forgiveness. And he said, uh, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Because he's a bad dude. Seven times? Jesus said, no. Seven times 70. 490 then? 490 first time I don't have to forgive? Now Jesus said, Pete, let me tell you a story. It's in Matthew 18. You guys familiar with this story? Jesus said there was a man who owed his master a million dollars. And the master said, it's time for you to pay your debt. And if you don't pay your debt, I'm going to throw you in jail. Debtor's jail until you can pay back all of your debt, until you work all that debt off. You will literally be my slave. And the guy said, I cannot pay the debt. Please forgive me my debt. I can't pay. And the master said, oh, okay, you're forgiven. Million dollars. But then Jesus goes on and tells the story in Matthew 18. It says, and that servant went to a fellow servant who owed him 10 bucks. And he said, hey, pay up your debt. And if you don't pay your debt, I'm going to throw you in jail and you'll be my slave until you pay off all that you owe me, that $10. And the fellow servant said, I can't, I can't pay. Please forgive my debt. And you know what the servant did? He had the guy thrown in jail for $10. Jesus is telling the story to Peter. <laughs> and then he says to Peter and the guys, he said, hey, what do you think the master who just forgave the servant a million dollars is going to do when he finds out that a fellow servant wouldn't forgive another servant 10 bucks? He got that right. He said, that dude's in trouble. And Jesus says, that's how it is for every single one of you who does not forgive his brother from their heart. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples and here's what he said to them. He said, offenses will certainly come. People are going to hurt you. Let me just tell you, that's just the way people are. But woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck and be thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. You need to be on your guard. But if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, he repents, forgive him. If he sins and says, forgive me, you have to forgive him. If he says, I repent, you must always forgive him. 
the disciples listened to his teaching. This is what they said. I love this. They realized Jesus is telling them they have to forgive everybody that's ever hurt them. And here's what they said. Lord, increase our faith. I told you I got really Jesus-fied when I was 17. When maybe like some of you last night for the first time met Jesus personally. It moved from religion to relationship. And I started reading the word and it started speaking to me. And I began to feel the reality of the Holy Spirit living in me and the conviction that was there. And I not only wanted to follow Jesus, I was in love with him. And I wanted to obey him. And I wanted to see his name great in my high school. And I wanted to see others follow him as well. And I wanted to see God be made wonderful because he'd become wonderful to me. And I knew that he had set me free from so much garbage in my life. And I heard of a story of a young girl in my city who was 15 years old. Ames, Iowa is not a very dangerous place. And there was a serial rapist that had developed a reputation. And it became known that this girl who was 15 who was studying driver's ed in the middle of the main park in our city, in the middle of the day, while studying to pass her driver's ed, this serial rapist had a cord of about three foot long rope and he went up behind her and he threw the rope around her neck, cinched it once, drug her into the woods and violently raped her and threatened to kill her if she said anything or did anything. Well, she reported to the police so everybody <laughs> knew and every girl in town was afraid and I'm all Jesus-fied, right? And here's what I'm thinking. If she doesn't forgive this guy, this man will destroy her life. So I was so foolish to believe that maybe God would use me to talk to her to help her meet Jesus so that she could forgive this guy so that this horrible rapist didn't destroy her life. So in my boldness, and say Peter idiocy actually began a relationship with her for the purpose of sharing the gospel with her and helping her to hopefully forgive this guy and by God's grace she actually was able to talk to me about it. first time we talked she said who are you to talk to me about what has happened in my life and she tells the story that after a few months of interacting, she was able to give her life to Christ. And she saw Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And since she was able to receive the forgiveness of the Father, then she was able to give forgiveness to even the person who she didn't know who violently raped her and threatened to kill her. And when she was able to receive the forgiveness of God, she was able to give the forgiveness to her assailant and she began to be free from that horrible assault. This person has become a really good friend of mine. In fact, I have a picture of her. Maybe you want to see the picture that I have.
best God story I know. And Bruce has never been a part of our relationship and never been a part of our marriage. But he's a great part of our God story. The Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says this, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and no root of bitterness springs up in you, causing trouble and defiling you and many, many others. You see what unforgiveness is? It's something that you hold against someone who's hurt you that ultimately destroys you. If you're bitter against someone, they control you. If you hold that against them, they are an objective of yours. Guys, all bitterness erodes your relationship with Jesus and will cause you to be distant from him. I want to talk to us this morning about principles of forgiveness and marks of maturing faith. Because one of the greatest challenges that we'll ever have in our life is to not receive the forgiveness of God because we know we need that. Not to receive the love of God because we know that we need that. But actually to begin to walk in the faith that we expressed when we received that forgiveness. And actually to walk in the faith that we expressed when we received that love. And to begin to give that out to other people. Because then we would be like Christ, Christian. Because we will be able to love the unlovely and we will be able to forgive those who hurt us. Because our ability to forgive comes from right-sizing our need for forgiveness. Let me say this, and I want you to write it down. No one will ever sin against you more than you sin against Christ. All of your sin is against God. All of your sin is a, a, an offense to God. Every time you lusted, every time you lied, every time you had a wrong thought, every time you knew the right thing to do and didn't do it, every time you cheated, every time you broke the law, every time, every time, every time, how many sins have you piled up against the holy God? And I don't know about you, I'm not done yet. Today, I woke up with my face against God. A grumbler, a complainer. You know, it's hard to be a worshiper. I want to move into that reality. And God, by his grace, is transforming me to be more like that. But I'm not done with sin yet, and neither are you. And once we begin to see how much forgiveness God has poured out on us, we begin to give that to one another. Ephesians 4 says this, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. And listen how you grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you on the day of redemption. It says, let all bitterness, let all anger, let all wrath, shouting, slander be removed from you along with all malice. And that's a desire to get back. And here's what you should be, kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And we understand how much we've been forgiven. We're able to forgive. Can you see yourself this morning as a million dollar debtor? 
the story was about Jesus. He's the master. And he's forgiven you. And the story, that person in your mind who thinks that, that has hurt you so badly and so deeply, let me ask you the question, where was Jesus when my wife was being raped at 15 by a serial rapist? And he was convicted, and yes, he is spending life in prison for seven women that he raped and assaulted, and she was the fourth one. And he'll never get out of prison. But guys, if she had forgiven him, she would have never been out of prison either. Because she would have been in bondage to his sin against her. And that would have affected every relationship that she had moving forward. And that would have determined the kind of relationship that she had with her husband, the kind of relationship she had with her daughters, the kind of relationships that she had with her sons, the kind of relationship that she had with her friends. But because she was able to receive the forgiveness of God, she was able to give forgiveness to Bruce. And you know what she did when she got saved? And you know what she did when he got arrested? See, I was still pretty jesus fight at that moment. You know what she wanted me to do? She said, Troy, you have to go to the prison and share the gospel with him. No. I told her, I believe in God's sovereignty. If he goes to heaven, it's going to have nothing to do with me. I want him to go to hell. So I'm observing the model of forgiveness. Someone being set free. I'm clinging to bitterness. Second thing we want to learn about forgiveness this morning is that forgiveness is a lifestyle, not an event. Forgiveness begins our relationship with God. We realize that we need to, to, to receive his forgiveness and forgiveness continues our relationship with Christ. I love 1 John. It says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We say to the Lord, forgive us our debts and help us to be forgiving of the debts of others toward us because we need forgiveness of sins. The, the Christian life is all about confession and getting God's forgiveness and then trying to walk in obedience to be loving and forgiving, is it not? And the day that I stop confessing my sin is the day that I put distance in my relationship with me and Jesus. And so forgiveness is what begins our relationship with Christ and forgiveness is what continues our relationship with Christ and our relationship with Christ is constantly rooted on him forgiving us. Okay? But we struggle to forgive others. Now when Peter said, how many times should I forgive my brother, Lord? 490 times? You think he was counting? But guys, think about the person who hurt you. Did they hurt you 490 times? Maybe they have. But the point is not how many times they hurt you. The point is how many times have you thought about how they've hurt you? And every time, what is your response to that? Father, forgive them. Thank you for your forgiveness. Or is it to grow that bitter root in you? To make you more resentful and more bitter and more angry? And has it turned them into 
the mental and emotional focus of your life so that you're not able to respond to Jesus because Jesus would say to you and hear him say to you this morning, please look at me, forgive them. Give them. But it's not an event, it's not a one-time thing. Because you think about it over and over and over again and it's a habit, it's a Christian discipline to learn to forgive them every time you think about it. And it was a while before I could put my hands on my wife's neck. And it was a while before she ever could trust a man. And it was a while before she ever felt safe to be intimate. But I'm telling you guys, I could go grab her by the throat and pick her up now and she would not be affected by that. I could throw a rope around her neck. And actually when my daughters got to be 15 and she shared the story with them, she had almost forgotten how brutal it was because it was such a distant memory because she learned to forgive and she forgave and forgave and forgave and forgave until it was a reality of the past, not a current lifestyle. Guys, if you choose bitterness, it will control your life. And the people who have hurt you will be the ones who shape your life, not Jesus Christ. Are you a forgiver? The third point I want to make this morning is that forgiveness focuses our relationship on Christ and acknowledges his control over our lives. I just want to say this. All bitterness, guys, is against God. You think it's heavy today? It's going to be heavier tonight. Where was God when my beautiful 15-year-old wife was being brutally attacked and raped in the Central Park in our safe city? Oh, Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink or what you wear. You see the lilies? Aren't they beautiful? God knows about them. He says, I don't know if you're a bird person, but most people think the worst bird's a sparrow. They're a nothing. If you have them in your barn, you kill them. It's not illegal. You can throw them on a nest and kill a whole bunch at the same time. And God knows every sparrow that died today. You're worth far more than lilies and far more than sparrows. In fact, God knows every single hair on your head. He's counted every single breath that you would take. This love of God that has been poured out on the cross is intimately acquainted with the details of your life. So where in the hell was he when you were being hurt? And couldn't he have stopped? you're adults, you're going to have to wrestle with the sovereignty of God. And he did not cause it, but he could have stopped it. And that is life. Jesus was perfect. Anybody ever hurt him? Oh, he said, hey, follow me. <laughs> it's going to be your best life now. Is that what he said? 
I'm just going to bless you. I'm going to make you the best athlete, make you the smartest person. I'm going to give you the best riches. 1002, Lord, more labors, please. You guys know the 1002 prayer, right? Okay, we'll we'll talk about that later. What did Jesus promise? He said, they persecuted me. They'll persecute you. They hated me. They'll hate you. This world will be against you for the rest of your life if you decide to follow Jesus. It's all uphill. It is all upstream. And it is all worth it. You familiar with the story of Joseph? Joseph was loved by his father, hated by his brothers, and so his brothers (laughs) told their dad they that he was eaten by wolves, but they actually sold him into slavery. And then he was purchased in slavery and then molested by a rich woman. She attacked him because he was handsome in form and in figure. And so then she accused him of attacking her and actually had him thrown in prison. And he was in prison for years and years and years. And then in prison, he interpreted the dream for the cupbearer and for the baker. But then they totally forgot about him, so he's in prison even more years. And then finally he was able to interpret the dream for the Pharaoh, and then he rose up into the second command in Egypt. And we see in Genesis his story, and you can read the story. And guys, he never ever resented all of those people who absolutely, totally abused him. In fact, when Joseph's dad died, the brothers knew that Joseph was going to kill them because of the way that they treated him. And they thought the only reason they were alive when their brother became powerful and they had mistreated him was because of his father. And Joseph actually wept that they even had that thought. And in fact, in Genesis 50, Joseph says, you meant evil against me, but God intended good. You hear that? You meant evil. But God in his sovereignty did this for good. And there is good that comes in the sovereignty of God when we as his children receive his forgiveness and give it away to others regardless of what they've done. And we can see the good that God will produce of it. Guys, it was about five years ago now. I'm teaching Genesis 50. Trying to be a good pastor. You know, teaching that Bible. And, you know, Paul says, I don't like to teach anything that God has not brought through me. So I, I, I always try to obey God, even though I had been bitter now for 30 years against this guy. Didn't even know his name. And God said to me, hey, Troy, you remember, you remember that story about Bruce? Hey, can you, you forgive him now? I said, yes, Lord, I'll forgive him. I'm sorry. He said, well, you going to share the gospel with him? I said, well, sovereign, Lord, can you send somebody else? Here I am, Lord, send somebody else. And I said, no, Lord, I'll do it if Pam wants me to. I went home to my wife that day, and I was super emotional. I said, babe, God has been speaking to me today, and if, if you want me to share the gospel with whoever it was that raped you, I didn't even know his name. I'll do it if I can find him. Do you still want me to do that? She said, absolutely. So 30 years later, imagine my heart beating as I had worked with the 
system to be able to sit across the table from the guy who violently raped and threatened my wife 30 years earlier. By the way, you know what a serial rapist looks like? Any guy in this room? And when he walked out, you know what I felt? Love. Passion. Man, I wanted to kill my whole life, but God had showed me, had that not happened, what, what initiated the relationship that we had? All of those blessings that I showed you, what are those blessings would I have had? I know I wasn't indebted to his sin, but actually God used that horrible event to bring about unbelievable good to me. And the hope that the gospel is better than the violence of rape and molestation and anger. And you know why he became a rapist? Here's the scary thing. He was raised in a Christian home. He had a girlfriend in high school that he thought he was in love with that he was going to marry. In fact, he had purchased a ring to ask her to marry him. Before prom, she actually broke off the relationship to go with a more popular boy that he thought he couldn't compete with. So he thought he lost the love of his life forever. And it made him angry toward women. And in his rage, he raped a random woman and loved it. And he said to me face to face, I'm so glad that I didn't kill your wife because I promise you, I wanted to. Did he respond to the gospel? Because he believes that his sin is so great that he deserves hell. And what is the difference between Troy Nesbitt and Bruce Hatter before God? What is the gap that we talked about last night? There's no difference. We're the same. The gap between the mother of Jesus and Hitler compared to the gap between Jesus and his mother or Jesus and Hitler, it's nothing. From the lens of the gospel, no matter how violent and vile we are, we're all in need of grace. And no matter how great you think you are, we're all in need of grace. And I was pleading with him to be saved. And it was so great actually have love for him and gratitude to God. Guys, Jesus wants to do that in your life as well. And I'm not telling you it's easy. I told you it's hard. It's still hard for me. You hit me, I'm, I, I'm probably going to hit you back. But if you hit me, who has a problem when they stand before God? You do. If I hit you back, who has a problem when they stand before God? See, you will stand before God naked and alone. And you will give an account of you before God. And I don't care who's hurt you. And I do care who's hurt you. I don't want to say it like that. Often. 
the people who hurt us are the people who are closest to us. And that pain is horrible, horrible pain. See, like, if I took a hand grenade, I don't have one. It's a fun thought. And, and you know, I, I pulled the pen, and I'm holding that hammer thing down. It's a really fun thought. And then I decided to sprint. Well, okay, I walked two miles away from here, and then launched the hand grenade into the woods, and all you guys are sitting in here. So I'm two miles away. I launched the hand grenade in the woods. And it goes off. What impact is that going to have on you? A zero. Just a hand grenade. Now if I take the same hand grenade, pull that pin, hold that hammer, and then slip that into your hoodie, what impact is that going to have on you? It's going to blow you up. And that's why when people close to us hurt us, it's so painful. I'm not near as hurt by the abuse that's a distance from me, but it's really painful, those who hurt me. And the closer they are to me, the more hurtful it is. And guys, here's what's true. People hurt people because they're hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And I don't know who it is that you're bitter toward. And maybe there's a whole bunch of people that you're bitter toward. But God is calling you to forgive them. And you're not a child anymore. You're an adult. And if you can receive the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, one of the most powerful experiences that you will ever have in obedience to Christ is learning to give forgiveness to the people who have hurt you the most and actually become like Jesus to them and begin to see them in a different light in the love of God and the forgiveness of God and not as someone who has assailed you, but literally someone who is in need of the love and grace of Jesus on their life and for you as a child of God to express that. Wouldn't that be cool? And here's the reason most of us don't do it. This is the last point about forgiveness and then we'll be done. Because I'm already over time and I hate going over time. Forgiveness shifts the focus from other people's sin <laughs> to mine. See, I have a good reason to be a sinner against everybody who's hurt me. I blame them. You hit me first. You shouldn't have hurt me. You were the authority. You were the older one. You shouldn't have wronged me. I'm justified. Everybody understands why I would be bitter. Everybody would understand my, why, why my wife would hate Bruce. Nobody understands why she loved him. Everybody would understand why her life would be destroyed being bitter toward Bruce. Nobody understands why she never thinks about him and actually just forgave him. It was because of her witness that maybe he's repented and believed by now. I don't know. But whenever you forgive people who've hurt you, guess what that focuses in on? <laughs> How have you hurt others? Now let me ask you the final question today. Who's bitter toward you? 
Fellas, you ever wronged any girls that you dated? Girls, you ever hurt friends? Have you ever lived in disobedience to Christ in relationship to somebody else and because of that you hurt them? Well, yes. And you know the reason that you don't feel pressure every single day to deal with that radically? The Bible says so many Christians get shipwrecked in their faith because they refuse to have a clear conscience. And we refuse to have a clear conscience. You know why? Because we can blame so many other people that we know for the hurt that we have in life. So we don't have to take responsibility for the hurt that we've caused others. How many people have you gone to this week and said, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? I not only sinned against God, I sinned against you, and I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Because you see, you will never give an account for anybody's sin but your own. And when you forgive, the shift of weight of the conviction of the Holy Spirit will be on you, actually, to go to even those who've hurt you and ask forgiveness. You want power in your life? You want to be able to love people that you thought you could never love? You want power in your life? You want to be able to forgive people you thought you could never forgive? That is Holy Spirit stuff. And that's what he wants you to have. And you want to be different in this culture. Receive God's forgiveness and receive his love and begin to hand that out and mature and grow in that reality. Can I pray for us? Lord, we know that we are all hurt and so many of these men and women this morning are thinking about someone specific, a dad, stepdad, mom, stepmom, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, brother, sister, maybe even a pastor, a friend. Because life is painful and people sin and they sin sometimes against us as they're sinning against you. And it's so easy to sin back, to be bitter, to be angry, that's not you, Jesus. The best prayer maybe we can pray this morning is help. Help. We know it's true. You say the Holy Spirit's a helper. Help. Say the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Comfort. Say the Holy Spirit is an enabler. Enable. Say the Holy Spirit will give us power and power. Because so many of us today want to walk with you, Jesus. We want to experience your grace and your goodness, your love and forgiveness, and we don't want to just get it from you. We want to give it to others.
pray in Jesus' name.